of living your dream. Some people live without a dream, and some people just dream and don't live their dream. And uh, God wants us to find a balance between living and living our dream. I can remember when I was a school teacher, and God put a dream in my heart that I would, it may sound strange, and you might think, why would someone want to do this? I wanted to be a pastor of a church. It was my dream. And then I was invited to be part of a team, and I began to live my dream. The wonderful thing about dreams is that they often begin, and I'm not talking so much about literal dreams, I'm talking more about figurative dreams, even though, as you can see in your notes there, 14 prophets were called dreamers of dreams. Joseph was a dreamer in the book of Genesis. But I'm talking about the dreams that often begin with desires in our heart. In Psalm 20, verse 4, on page 1 of your notes there, it says, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Psalm 37, verse 4 to 5 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I believe that as we learn to live a life that we just learn to delight in him, he places desires in our heart. He gives us the desires. He places them there so that he can do that which he wants to do for our lives. God even places his plans in our heart. He places aspects of that which we do not know about, but he's working them in. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so sometimes our dreams and our plans and our desires are huge and enormous and world-changing. For example, if you were a Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor started 800 missionary um, stations. He, he started 200 ministry, uh, missionary stations, but he caused 800 missions in China. He was involved in famine relief. He had started 100 schools. He campaigned against the evils of opium. He, he, was, he was just world-changing. And that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, sometimes the visions and the dreams that we have are not massive and world-changing. They just can be very simple and small things. They're things in your world. They're plans and they're dreams in your world. And so you find what's important to you. For example, you might say, well, I've got a walk-in wardrobe at home and I just have a, a dream that I could tidy that up and throw out the stuff that I haven't worn for some time and give it away. And I just want to be able to, man, if I could do that, you might say, 
If I could do that, that would be like a dream come true, and that would be for some people. And that's, and that's great. That's what we're talking about, living your dream in small ways and large ways, the Hudson Taylor ways and in the smaller ways that are particular to you and in your life. What about having a, someone would say, well, I just want to have a tidy desk in my office. I want to have a tidy office. Man, if I could have a tidy office, that would be a dream come true. Well, live your dream. And I'm going to tell you how this morning. I'm going to tell you how to live your dream. And to take, what about, what about, how's your car looking these days? How's it looking on the inside? Is it like a car that I got on recently? No names, nobody here. But it was a mess from the front to the back. It was incredible. You know, it just would take a day to full time to tidy it up. And you might say, I wish I could have a tidy. Well, live your dream. It's the little things in life that are particular to you as well as the large world-changing events that you could have. What about doing a course? You'd say, man, I just really would like to just do a self-development course. I'd like to do two in one year. I'd like to just do one. Well, you know, why not do that? Why not? Why not live your dream? Why not begin to do this? What about you say, I just really like to finish work on time so that I could know how to switch it off and switch on to my family or switch on to replenishing and being refreshed. You say, man, if I could master how to do that, because we live in a day, don't we, where the work overflows into our own personal private life and we find that we're still working at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. We've still got the phone in our hand. We're still working on the computer. What would be a great thing if we could just, you say, it would be a dream come true if I could just learn how to do that. I'm going to tell you how to do that today. I'm not just going to tell you to do it. I'm going to help you learn how to do it. Now, when we talk about dreams, we'll make this point. Our dreams should honour God. They should link him with the callings of God. They should link him with who you are, with your personality. And here's what the Bible says. You'll find it on page two of your notes. Proverbs 3, verse 6. In everything you do, Put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. What a wonderful promise. God will direct you when you put him first. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 3, in the Amplified Version, Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and Succeed. There's another wonderful promise, isn't it? But what what is it? It's when we roll our works upon Him and we involve Him in all that we do. Deuteronomy thirty three eleven. There on page two of your notes. Bless all my skills, O Lord, and be pleased with the work of my hands. So whatever you are doing. Whether it's the artistic work that Georgina does, whether it's the musical work that Matt and the team do, whether it is something where you work during the week, whatever the skill is, hospice, 
social workers, whatever the work is, whatever the work is, the prayer of our heart is, Lord, would you just bless the work of my hands? David wrote these words in Psalm 37, verse 5, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. So we believe in faith that as we keep trusting him, he's going to be with us. You don't have to have great faith, you know. You just have to have a great God. Can we get that? Hudson Taylor, the great world changer, made these statements there right there in your notes. I don't have great faith, he said. The Lord only asks us to trust in his great faithfulness. And when we learn that secret of faith, it's an amazing secret. Instead of striving to get more and more and greater, greater faith, we just realize we've got a great God and we've just got to learn to trust him and roll our works upon him and let his blessing flow through everything that we do. So how could this all look like in our own lives? Well, the first thing is this. Number one, we've got a dream. It's right there on page two of your notes. We've got a dream. Carl Sandburg said, nothing happens unless first a dream. You've been doing on the book of Acts. And right there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says this, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall prophesy. Have I got that right? No, no, I got that wrong. No, let me get it right. Let me get it right. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and your, your young women, your young men shall prophesy. Got it. Acts 2, 17. See, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. We begin with a dream. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day when you were born and the day when you find out why. And so Paul, the apostle, who appears right through the book of Acts, said, I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. So he had a dream. And a dream is quite a big thing. And so we need to go to step two, which is to take that dream, you know the dream of the walk-in wardrobe that's tidy and the car that's tidy and of the way you're reaching your community and the way in which you're touching lives. Take that dream and now begin to bring it down and make it a li little bit more specific. And so we're going to say in step two is write your dream as a goal. This kind of brings it down to make it a bit more specific in time and quantity and place. We get that goal. But we always remember, though, that goals are only for setting direction, but it's the systems that we set up, it's the process that we set up that causes us to make progress. See, if I get my goal right and keep to my goal, which is in line with my vision, then I reach my destination. But if you're flying from Auckland to New York, one flight, and you're just one degree out, you're going to miss your destination. So we're always tuning up that vision and that goal. We're always adjusting it and making sure that we are on course. 
And so the third thing is, what are some strategic steps now that you can take in faith, in faith, by that I'm talking about depending on the faithfulness of God, what are some strategic steps that you can take towards that dream and towards that goal? That's point number three right there on page two uh, in, in your notes. And so even small steps, even doable chunks that are going to bring you closer to your goal is what we need to set up. If I set a goal and say, I want, say I have a dream, I'd be a man of prayer. So we set a goal, I'm going to pray for four hours every day. So we set that goal. I'm going to make a prediction that you're not going to last with that goal. That's too big. You've got to get down into a strategic bite, into a chunk that you can do. And so we work out what some things I can do. And so I spoke here one time, I prayed just five minutes a day. And it could be, I could be called a heretic. What? Only five minutes a day? And I changed the title of that, by the way, into just any small amount of prayer, not just five minutes. Five minutes is too big for some people. Just learn how to do things in small chunks. Here's what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Some people like to read books, and they say, I don't have time for reading. Do you know you can read 30 books in a year? This is just a general figure. You can read 30 books in one year just by spending 20 minutes a day. You can spend two minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. How do you read 30 books in a year? Just by taking small, strategic steps. If you're a slow reader, it's been estimated, you could just read 10 pages a day and still read 12 books in a year just by spending that small 10 minutes per day. It's amazing, isn't it, what can be done when you break it down into small, bite-sized chunks. And so the fourth thing is that And you find on page three of your notes, we realize as well as taking small steps towards that dream that we have, we walk with other people who help us reach our dream. Because you see, no man's an island. No person, no woman, no man is an island. We live and we are linked to one another. And we can't do it by ourselves. We are the body of Christ. Someone said, and they're on page three, top of your page, turn the page, if you want to walk fast, walk alone. But if you want to walk far, walk together. That's how we do it. So we gain help from others. Bob Mumford was a great preacher. And uh, they said to him one day, they were at church, and they, and they pointed to someone in the crowd. And they said, see that woman over there? I'm careful who I'm going to point to now, so I'll point to my wife to be safe. See that person over there? They're really spiritual. And he turned to them and he said, who are they spiritual with? Because we are spiritual with others. We are linked 
to others. And so, for example, my fingers are very able and capable of doing things. With my thumb and my fingers, I can do lots of things. But in actual fact, those fingers have got no power by themselves. They're linked to a hand. Without the hand, those fingers won't work. And may I say to each one of us here, to reach your dream, you need more than just yourself. You are linked to a hand. The hand's got no power by itself. It's linked to my arm. My arm is linked to my shoulder. Without the shoulder, it's not going to work. And then that, of course, all goes back to the brain and to the heart. And so everything is connected. If you're to reach a dream, you're going to need somebody. You're going to need some people to walk with you. This is why we really need to hear what it says. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you need encouragement along the way. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. They're on page three of your notes. I've got various versions down there. It says, don't forsake or neglect to assemble together as believers as is the habit of some people. So some people have the habit of not assembling as believers. But it says, admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. How can you encourage and find encouragement if you're not connected? And so we've got to be connected. And so for me, when it comes to like gathering with the people of God, and I can say this here because I'm not the pastor here, I would hesitate to say this in my own church because people then think it's a pressure. They think, oh, the pastor was telling me that I have to be in church every Sunday. You know, well, let me say this, that it's, it's obviously there are times when you can't be doing that. But I never get up on a Sunday morning and I never have got up on a Sunday morning and think, oh, what's the weather today? Mm, it looks sunny. I think I might just go to the beach. It was never, I just wanted to be with the people of God, where God was speaking and God was saying things. And I know I have my individual walk with God, where God has a dimension, but there is something about being in the encouraging environment of the people of God and actually hearing sermons spoken that is so essential to our growth. And therefore, I just want to be, I just want to be with the people of God. I've never ever thought that. I've never thought, oh, I'll go to the beach today. No, it's just like, oh, I'm going to go to work on Monday. <laughs> no, I'm going to be in church on Sunday. Yeah, because that's where I find encouragement, and that's where I give encouragement, and that's where I am connected, connected to people. You know, in Acts 3, you've been studying that, but do you remember the time when there was a man that was lame from birth and along came Peter and John, and he looked to them as if he was going to receive something from them, some alms, some offering from them. And uh, Peter spoke to him, and he said, 
Silver and gold I have got none, but such as I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so he brought the message of healing from Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice this, that Jesus healed that lame man through somebody. See? That lame man had a dream that he would walk again. But it wasn't going to just happen through God only. It took Peter to come along. And have a look at your notes there because it says in verse 10, no, verse 7, it says, Peter, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Can you see what I'm saying? He took him by the hand. Did Jesus heal him alone? No. Did, did Jesus cause his dream to become a reality alone? Just Jesus only? No. He took him by the hand. It took somebody to be connected in Acts chapter 3 to cause this man to walk. And that's what it's going to happen. That's what it's going to take in our lives. You know, when I think about the Richmond New Life Church, and we came to the point one day where we said we need to have our own building. And I was, I'm not a skilled person as far as fixing things and making things. I am actually have the ability to bring practical notes and practical help to people in their own Christian life and their own walk with God. I'm able to do that. But you know, when it came to building the building, I didn't know what to do. So what did I do? I realized to let that dream happen, it had to involve help. And so we had skilled people. We had painters. I was able to do some painting. But people who would do the building and head it up. And so we had Richard Kempthorne, became the mayor of Tasman. And we had Rob Burdekin. And they said, we can do this. We'll head this up. What did I do? Well, we used to joke back in the day and say they would pay me to keep off the site, not to go on the site, because I was not my area of skill. My area of skill was to lead people, and so that people would then build a place that would be a place for people to worship in, that would keep the rain off their heads, and it would be a place to empower people and to send people out into the community and into the nations of the world. What am I saying today? That we need some help to reach our dream. And so learn to rely upon the help of others and let other people's strength help with your weaknesses. You know, when Nehemiah was building the walls around Jerusalem, when he was rebuilding the walls, you know what was happening there? It was such a large task that he, the Bible says this in Nehemiah chapter 3, that there were people and beasts, it said, and next to them built this one, this family and this, this group of people, and next to them, this group, and next to them, this group, and next to them, this group. Let me say that despite building a house for people, building a place, a safe place, a refuge, a place where people can come and be ministered to, and it's going to take one another to see that dream happen. And so God has people here in this place who have got leadership 
on their heart and they're called to lead. Other people are called to do other things behind the scenes. Some people are called into evangelism. Some people are called to care for people. Whatever it is, this is a house where not only people come in, but from where people are equipped and go out into our world. Because a church is either like a field where you bring people into, or it's a force that sends people out. And I believe the ideal thing is that we become a force that goes into our world. We come to church to get filled, refreshed, but we also can bring people into the field as well. And so it's a, it's a blend of both really, isn't it? Where we're going out and we're also causing people to come in. What a wonderful thing to be a city church, a church in the city. I'm out more Richmond way, but you know what? When I come in here, you get the feel straight away. This is a church in the city, reaching the city. And now point five on page three of the notes, having established that we're going to need help to reach our dream, and I'm glad you take these notes home because you can go over them again and pray about them and see which parts are pertinent to you. But now it's time to work, empowered by God. You know, it says in Acts 26 and verse 22, Paul says, I obtained help on page four, flick the page over, having obtained help from God to this day I stand and I witness. He said, I move towards that goal. And so we now begin to work empowered by God. Yongi Cho, pastor of the largest church known in the world in Korea, he said this, I, I live my life like this. He said, I simply pray and obey. Imagine doing that. Imagine living life like that. I pray and obey. I pray and obey. Oh, how we need to pray. How we need to pray. How we need to pray. The disciples never asked Jesus to show them anything. They didn't say, Jesus, show us how to do miracles. They didn't say that. No. They didn't say to Jesus, uh, can you, can you show us how to preach and to reach many people? No, they never said that. Only one thing the Bible records that they ever went to Jesus about and said, can you help us and tell us how to do this? You know what it was? Prayer. He said, Lord, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because out of prayer, we change and our world changes. You can change the world without leaving your lounge. Yongi Cho said, I pray and obey. How do we work empowered by God? Through pray and obey, pray and obey, pray and obey. Pray about something. You're not sure what to do? Pray about it. You're troubled by something? Pray about it. I'm reading a book actually at the moment. It's got a really fascinating title. I love it. What's it called? <laughs> I'm, it's a long title. I've got to get the title right. It's something like um, it's something like I could look it up, and uh, it goes like this. Um, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I'm just going to get the title right for you, so I can give it to you. Um, and it goes like this. Let me just zip up here and. Just look it up because it's such it's a great title. It says says it all. 
worried about everything because I pray about nothing. How about that? Worried about everything because I pray about nothing. And it's a really great thing. Learn to pray and obey. Learn to pray and obey. And then finally, define your fears as well as defining your dreams. Martin Luther King is a great example of someone who had a dream. He said, I have a dream. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise out and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And that same Martin Luther King said this, and it's right there in your notes on page four, courage faces fear and thereby masters it. Cowardice represses fear and is thereby mastered by it. Courageous men never lose the zest for living, even though their life situation is zestless. See, the thing that sets the boundaries of our life are our fears. And if you want to expand your life, or you hear people say, I want to reinvent my life, if you want to know how to do that, I'll tell you what it is. Do the thing that you fear. Because it's the fears that restrict. It's the fears that set the boundaries. And we won't go beyond those fears. Here's a great verse in the Bible, Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Music team, would you come now please as we're just preparing to land the plane. You know, I didn't say we're landing yet. We're just circling the, circling the airport and we're just preparing to come on touchdown. So musicians, if you'd like to come on up right now. Let me tell you about, if you take a little baby elephant, it's been proven, and you chain it up from a baby, and then later as it grows older, you remove the chain, it finds that the, the, the it found that the elephant doesn't go beyond the boundaries that it's used to. It won't go beyond because it's only used to living a restricted life. And many of us by those boundaries pushing against us. They've found they put fish in a tank and they put a glass partition right down of the middle of the tank, and, uh, and, and when they do, the fish go up to that glass, and they realise, oh, I can't go past there. It looks like I could go, because there's water here and there's water there, but no, they, they hit the glass, they go back. So they learn not to go beyond the glass. They then found they removed the glass barrier. What do the fish do? They're so used to swimming at one end of the tank, that's they just keep swimming around in circles. Anyone like that? I trust that we learn that we, in Christ, we're being called to freedom and that the partition has been lifted and that we can now swim in the whole tank. There's a wonderful story of an, a, a farmer who owned a farm and there was another farm beside him. He looked over to the next farm and there was an eagle 
and it was tied on to a pole. You see a picture of that there, right there in your notes. Just tied on to the pole. And the eagle that was born to soar and to fly was unable to do so because there was a thong tied around its, its leg and it was held in position. And so whenever it tried to fly, it couldn't. So it just accepted, I can't fly. And it just looked with longing at a greater life of a freer life. How many people are like that? Where we're just held back from the life of the eagle that God has called us to live. So this farmer looked over and he thought, I would like to see it. The eagle free. Jesus Christ looked at you and looked at me and saw that we were held back and said, I want them to have a life of freedom. I want to set them free so that they can soar the heavenlies. And some people have only got to the stage where they let Jesus untie the thong. And they're still sitting there. When God has a life of freedom, stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in the freedom that Christ has for us. And so what happened was this owner of the farm looked over and he said, Sir, can I buy your farm? On the condition that I get the eagle as well. That I get the eagle. I want to purchase the land and the eagle. See, we were under the sway of Satan. We were under another empire. And the king bought the whole farm and purchased you, purchased me, and called you to a life of freedom. He purchased the farm. He took the eagle. The eagle still was not used to flying. The new owner, I'm linking this, the Lord Jesus Christ, our new owner. The new owner took the eagle and he threw it up. Threw it up into the air. And the eagle began to fly and did what it never thought it could. And I believe this, that it was just as Martin Luther King said, free at last, in that famous speech in 1963, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty we are, free at last. And the Lord says, free at last, Free at last. I've set you free. Go against the boundaries. Go beyond the restrictions. Go beyond the fear. And I'm going to breathe on your dream again. And I'm going to cause you to dream like you've never dreamt before. I'm going to put things in your heart because you delighted me. And when that dream comes into your heart, 
and you gather people around you and you begin to move towards your dream, then the Holy Spirit comes and he puts freedom in the heart of every person. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, he brings freedom. Freedom! Amen! Freedom, freedom, freedom. Could we stand? Thank you, Lord. We stand in his free. We stand in his name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 We stand in his presence. We stand in his presence. You say, Jesus, I want this freedom. I want this freedom. I want a dream. Today, if God is just putting something in your heart, and he's breathing, I believe, I believe this, he's, he wants us to dream again. God showed me that People will be here. God wants you to dream again. Be it small, be it large. Dream again. Today we're just going to open up for anyone who would like individual prayer. If you just come and just stand here, we're going to minister to you and speak the name of Jesus like they did over that lame man in Acts chapter 3. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk.